I don't know if y'all have done any drafts this offseason, this spring, this summer, whatever time of the year, day, month it is right now, but the elite wide receivers have completely taken over the first round of fantasy drafts. It's funny because over the years, you see these swings in the pendulums, and there'll be a down year by running back, so everyone takes wide receivers, and we saw this once, I think it was like 2015 or 16, where everyone was starting like super heavy on wide receivers. Didn't work. Did not work. And then you saw a swing back to running backs going heavy. There's just always swings in the pendulum of things. And I think one of the biggest contributors is the fact that people are going really heavy into underdog fantasy and doing best ball drafts right now. And their standard format is three wide receivers, two running backs starting in the lineup. If you're not drafting on underdog yet, you can go download the app. Link will be down below. First time depositing will get you a 100% deposit match with code BDGE. We're doing drafts all summer. So if you want to be in those drafts, join the discord. Also link down below free to join and go sign up on underdog. But point being, based on these scoring settings or based on these lineup settings, you do want to have a very wide variety of wide receivers. And the position's a little bit deeper because you obviously start more on an NFL field and there's just more passing going on in the league, man. There's just so much pass incentive in the NFL right now with roughing the passer and pass interference. It's like teams are willing to take more shots and throw the ball more than ever because the chance of them moving down the field is increasingly high with all these penalties and all this other stuff and just the the wide receivers are so fucking athletic nowadays and you got tight ends playing inside, outside. You know what it is? It's crazy. And we're starting to see a big shift towards the wide receivers and I'm kind of in on it. I'm kind of, I was kind of in on it last year. I was going pretty wide receiver heavy and it wasn't something that I've done for a long time, but I'm starting to get behind it and it's easy to see why as we start to sprinkle through these top 12 wide receivers, like the elite fantasy wide receivers for 2023 fantasy football. That's what this video is about. So if y'all are ready, like I'm ready because I'd be sucking these Celsius's down. These things are fucking delicious. Tuck your shirt in. We'll be doing rankings 13 through 24 this upcoming Friday. We did running backs last week, 1 through 12, and then 13 through 24. I will link those videos down below in the description as well. Tony, do that when you upload, you son of a gun. Let's do it. It should come as no surprise, Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver one this year. He's 24 years old. He just led the NFL in targets, catches, yards. That 2,000-yard, 16-touchdown uh, season is is coming. Uh, could be this year. I actually think the Jordan Addison pick in the first round, having him opposite Justin Jefferson actually helps and alleviates the pressure and the amount of I, I think a lot of those kind of arguments are stupid and they're just like a waste of breath but when you have numbers to back it up Justin Jefferson was double teamed at the highest rate in the NFL last year which is kind of obvious given how good he is and how much of a lack of depth they had at the wide receiver position with Adam Thielen gone you replace him with Jordan Addison who is a springy electric smooth wide receiver that can run downfield so they will have to keep an eye on him as well which again alleviates the pressure for Justin Jefferson is there a world where I would take Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson no there's not Justin Jefferson wide receiver one Jamar Chase is a wide receiver too, however. Last year was wide receiver four in fantasy points per game behind only Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams. But he's extremely young, and now he's just, him and Burrow are just going to be a problem in fantasy football for the next decade, right? That combo is just one that you can't understate, and it'll never go out of style, man. It is timeless, and it is priceless. 
it's gonna we're gonna see it blossom into the 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 Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams kind of connection. It, it might even take it to another level where it's like, yeah, of course they're both good, they're both talented, they both like each other, and he's the number one target. But like the Rodgers Adams connection was something that if you've watched football over the last fifteen years, it got to the point where it's like. Rodgers is throwing the ball when he's not even looking at Adams. Adams is not even looking at Rodgers. He just like knows where he's going to be and trusts his guy to make a play, an outrageous play anywhere on the field. We're going to see that relationship blossom between Burrow and Jamar Chase. And it culminates in these like 30, 40-yard catches where it's like, all right, any other QB to wide receiver combination, I'm not throwing the ball down there. But there's like a 72% chance that Chase is coming down with that. Burrow knows that. It's going to lead to a ton of receiving yardage. It's going to lead to just the connection is going to be crazy down there, right? Last year, Jamar Chase averaged 11.2 targets per game. Coming from Joe Burrow, and he dealt with the injury, obviously, last year. He did turn more into a possession-wide receiver, which I think is kind of interesting. His average depth of target dropped to 9.9, where it was at 13.6 in 2021. But he did have 14 end zone targets last year, which was fifth most in the NFL, despite missing five games. He was third in red zone targets. He's going to be a beast. Those touchdown numbers are going to skyrocket one of these years as well. You know what? I don't know. Maybe there is a world where I take Chase over Jefferson if I have like five drafts and maybe I go Chase once or twice. It just like these are one of those arguments where it's not worth arguing about because you're just getting an elite high-end wide receiver one entering their prime that won't disappoint you regardless of which direction you go in. Number three, Tyree Kill. Honestly, I think you could put Tyree Kill in that tier above with Jamar Chase and Jefferson. Obviously not in Dynasty because he's got the age, but in redraft, man, I feel there weren't many more receivers in fantasy last year. I don't know if there was a receiver last year that I was more confident having in my lineup that I knew was going to deliver on a weekly basis. You had him in your lineup and you knew you were getting likely a big play, likely a touchdown, likely eight catches. Like Hill's season was borderline flawless when Tua was in the lineup. It's crazy because he moves over from Patrick Mahomes and then he smashes career highs, targets 170, catches 119 yards, 1,710, and he only had seven touchdowns. So that could shoot up last year if Tua is healthy. He played 13 games. He left early, so really like 12 games. This is how good Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell were for Tua. Tua led the NFL in touchdowns of 40 and 50 yards, 40 plus and 50 plus yard touchdown passes. We did it on trivia on TikTok the other day, and you know the guesses. It was Josh Allen. It was Patrick Mahomes. It was like, yeah, who leads the NFL in forty-plus yard touchdown passes? Of course, those big-armed giant wide uh, giant quarterbacks. No, Tua because he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle at his disposal. Last year, Tyreek Hill had five games of 140-plus yards, and he wasn't really boomer bust. I think we have this notion of Tyreek Hill being boomer bust because he's so fast and he makes plays down the field. He had at least 12 half PPR fantasy points in 13 of 17 games, so 77% of games. This offense is just so high volume in terms of going to Hill and Waddle that his floor is super high. And when you look at the splits of the games in which Tua had 20 or more pass attempts, so realistically the games that he played the full game, he was starting, and you know he didn't get injured in it, Tyreek Hill averaged 18.75 half PPR fantasy points, 22.5 full PPR, 10.5 targets, and those are Tyreek Hill targets, so you know they're fucking, they're more valuable than any other target in fantasy football. All in on Tyreek Hill this year. There's not a number in the draft order that is too high to draft this guy. Now, Cooper Cup. Los Angeles Rams comes in at my number four guy. He was the wide receiver one in fantasy last year before suffering that high ankle sprain that eventually led to uh, offseason surgery. I'm not worried about the recovery from the injury. He'll be fine. 
I am worried about Matt Stafford, his back, the injuries that he's had, and how bad the offense is when he's not on the field. Listen, if all uh, this is one of those like rankings that I think will be the most fluid throughout the offseason, like depending on where Matt Stafford is, where his throwing progression is, if he's fully healthy, if they think he's going to play. Like, I don't really know what's going on with Stafford. I guess all things are good to go. I think their defense could be really bad. I think this could lead to like 40 fucking three pass attempts per game for Stafford, and that means a couple probably see like 14 targets a game. Again, I'm not worried about Cup's injury. I'm not worried about the talent, obviously. More so worried about the fact that if you're banking on Cup, you're also extremely straight-end tied right to Matt Stafford, and he's a little bit more scary for me, but I'll still have him here until we hear bad reports otherwise. Stefan Diggs, numero Five. His season uh, was kind of a tale of of two halves. He had a scorching hot start. I think anyone who had Diggs last year, anyone who drafted him was like, okay, I fucking hit. I have the wide receiver one in fantasy football this year. You look at the splits here, the first eight games versus the second eight games, they are, they're two different wide receivers. It went from Stefan Diggs to Stefan Mid. And then I think it was a lot of it because the Bills roster kind of just like imploded and they exposed itself and the lack of weapons just had too much focus on Stefan Diggs and they needed help out there. I also don't want to overthink this. Like Diggs is truly a game-changing player uh, and he's tied to Josh Allen. They bring on uh, Dalton Kincaid, who I absolutely love. I think he's going to be a playmaker. Hope maybe Gabriel Davis plays a little bit better now that he doesn't have as much pressure on him. He's a high-end wide receiver one. Not going to complain about getting digs at the back of the first round, early second round. Next up at number six, I have Devontae Adams. This is probably going to change all everything that's coming out about how like unhappy he is with the Raiders right now. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I don't like this. I don't like Jimmy. Jimmy G's never really had to like operate and command a team when the team around him wasn't excellent right those all the 49ers years have been really good like defenses and good field position and good offensive playmakers around them so I'm a little bit nervous about what this offense turns into in Las Vegas and I think Devontae Adams knows that last year he did set a career high in targets with 180 of them had 100 catches 1516 yards 14 touchdowns so business as usual now here is the biggest concern or issue I have with Devontae Adams this year in fantasy football when you swap out Derek Carr for Jimmy G you have a different style of quarterback. You have a less aggressive style of quarterback, a quarterback that's less incentivized to throw the ball downfield. And I think that is where Adams is going to get hurt. I think his floor is obviously really high, but when you have a dude who doesn't throw the ball, like Derek Carr threw 14.1% of his passes downfield, right? They were eighth in the NFL. So you're talking about a guy who throws the ball at a high percentage, 20 plus yards down the field compared to just 9.1% for Jimmy G. Adams had 38 deep targets last year, second in the NFL, only behind Tyreek Hill. That number is going to dip and that takes away from his ceiling. That's what I'm talking about with like Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, those throws where like they're not even looking, but both of them have this built-in chemistry and trust with Devontae Adams that they know if they pinpoint the ball 27 yards down the field on the sideline Adams is coming up with that catch Jimmy G doesn't have the same kind of arm doesn't have the same kind of trust doesn't have the same a lot of it coming to the field with a dude like Devontae Adams so that kind of scares me a little bit right that scares me from like a high-end ceiling pretty like you take a few deep targets away and maybe that's you know minus two to three touchdowns minus 200 yards over the course of the season and that's the difference between a wide receiver five finish and a wide receiver nine finish and that's the difference between drafting a guy at the 109 and earning a draft capital like the 209 you know there there is a difference there and it isn't just nominal it isn't just marginal it's something that matters so i'm not fading adams but i'd probably throw him in the tier this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Below these other guys, despite being obviously just as talented as those other guys. I don't know. They lose Darren Waller. They bring in Jacoby Myers. I, I don't know. Darren Waller hasn't been healthy the last couple of years anyway, so I don't I think it's kind of like a cancellation in terms of where the targets are going to be dispersed, but neither here nor there on Devontae Adams. Let's move to AJ Brown, the robot out in Philadelphia, just an absolute thoroughbred. Finished as the wide receiver five last year. But this will be here. This is an offense that just runs through a lot of great weapons. Brown saw 145 targets last year, which isn't terribly low, obviously. Like you could do wide receiver one numbers, which is what he did. He was top five. But it'll be hard to get Brown into that elite tier of like Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, if he doesn't get into that 160, 170 target range. Then again, AJ Brown's A dot is higher than pretty much everyone else in like the top 15 fantasy wide receivers. So you know, his targets are worth a little bit more, especially with a guy like him who comes down with the majority of those long targets. He's a big play waiting to happen, right? 17 yards per reception. So the targets are worth more than just a guy who gets the ball at the line of scrimmage and is needing to make plays. And I think that's something that we don't look at. We just throw volume targets out like, yeah, A.J. Brown only had 140 targets. These guys have, yeah, but A.J. Brown's targets are fucking A.J. Brown's targets. You know what I'm saying? He's competing with a bunch of good rushers, I guess, Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, whatever. Uh, Demonte Smith is obviously there. Dallas Goddard, they signed Zacchaeus over from Atlanta. So you know he's already well-coached and ready to break the fuck out this year. But in all seriousness, like for a team that runs so much in the red zone with Jalen Hurts and their running backs, A.J. Brown had 39 red zone targets, fourth in the NFL. The problem comes in with them being on the goal line where Hurts runs the ball so much. Brown had 10 end zone targets, only 10 end zone targets, okay? That's the same amount as Drake London, Michael Gallup, Gabriel Davis, just one more than Adam Thielen, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So unfortunately, that sneak with Hurts on the, you know, one, two, three yard line, whatever, it's not going anywhere. So I don't know if I could trust a higher percentage of targets down there in the end zone. So the situation is great. A.J. Brown's a monster. His floor is super high. I just don't know if he has the ceiling to consistently be where those other top guys are. Obviously, got no problem taking him, you know, as the wide receiver. Seven, wide receiver eight, CeeDee Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Lamb took that that step up, right? We made a bunch of videos last year of, like, guys that are going to go from good to great or, like, great to elite, and we had CeeDee Lamb obviously listed there. It was pretty low-hanging fruit. Great fantasy year. 156 targets, 107 catches, 1,400 total yards, nine touchdowns. My concern for Lamb like, I think you could argue he's going to take the next step up. He came into the league really young. He's been progressing, like, perfectly as a fantasy player in terms of what you want to see for your breakout wide receiver. This offense is going to be a lot more run heavy under Mike McCarthy. No longer Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. He's with the Chargers now. The pace, the pass rate, all that just won't be as juicy. They bring in Brandon Cooks. Uh, Michael Gallup is going to have a bigger role now that he's two years removed from the ACL. Now, Lamb obviously won't bust, but... Honestly, I could see him finishing closer to like 1,150, 1,200 receiving yards than the 1,400 that he had last year just because of a, a volume thing. He plays a lot in the slot. He doesn't get a ton of like deep ball targets downfield. Still a great receiver. Like his separation skills were top notch. He's one of the better receivers in the NFL, obviously. I just question what this offense is going to look like in 2020. 
three. I do not question, as I've already stated, what the Miami Dolphins offense is going to look like in 2023, which is why I have Jalen Waddle at nine. And I'm going to be honest, I might throw Waddle over CeeDee Lamb by the time rankings come. He was so awesome last year. And many of the same points I made for Hill stick for Waddle. Waddle was as efficient, if not more efficient, in just about every category with Tyreek Hill. He was number one in the NFL in yards per target, number one in yards per reception, fourth in yards per route run, but he just saw 50 fewer targets than Tyreek Hill did. He only saw a 21.6% target share last year. Hill was all the way up at 31.6%. So if those converge even a little bit, if we're talking about Waddle, who's leading the league in yards per route, uh, in yards per reception, yards per target, if he goes from 115 targets to 135 targets, 140 targets, with how valuable each target he personally gets is, they can both be top five wide receivers because this offense is going to be so condensed in the passing game through them. They were the wide receivers three and seven last year in fantasy, and I think they could be even better this year, which is crazy to say. But if you look at what Jalen Waddle was doing while Tua played his games, right, the same splits that we saw in games where Tua had thrown the ball 20 or more times, which is basically him just staying healthy throughout the game, 15.8 half PPR fantasy points, over 18 full PPR fantasy points, 88 yards per game, 0.73 touchdowns per game, 7.5 targets per game, just a big move up in games that obviously Tua was healthy in. There just isn't a another fantasy duo you want more than these two. You, you know, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins, give me Waddle and Hill over those guys. No fucking questions asked. Mouth taped close we're not answering any questions at this time we're on to Cincinnati we're actually on to the wide receiver 10 who is Amon Ra St. Brown for some reason statistically I thought Amon Ra had a much bigger year than he did last year had 1161 yards and six touchdowns he pretty much just went like seven for 75 every fucking game uh that's one of the big issues I have with Amon Ra St. Brown he's so talented he's so good he's so involved in the offense he just doesn't make big plays and that, that's a problem when you're a fantasy wide receiver. He was fifth in the NFL in catches, 106 of them. He had just one single catch of 40-plus yards. There were 50 wide receivers that had more than that. Jameson Williams obviously has the suspension, so I expect his volume to be really high for the first six games of the season. But when he's back, he's the deep target. They also brought in Jameer Gibbs, who will take a lot of, you know, three, four, five, six targets a game. Sam Laporta, I think, is talented. They also bring in Marvin Jones. So while DJ Chark is gone, I think Marvin Jones is kind of like a replacement for him. I kind of expect a lot of the same for Amon Ross St. Brown. Really good PPR player, but I wouldn't expect huge touchdown numbers. I wouldn't expect a bunch of spike plays. I would expect a lot of six for 80 and then a touchdown every other week. I think you know what you're getting. I think you're getting a very high floor player um, who's just a very good player, and you won't be disappointed with the pick. So he's my wide receiver 10. I have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 11, and I think if you're projecting just upside, right, if you're in a draft and you're like, I need to draft a player with upside based on how my team is built, I could see you making the argument for Garrett Wilson over some of the wide receivers. If you want to get, like, really spicy and you take Wilson over Amon Ra, maybe even, like, C.D. Lamb, if you really think Aaron Rodgers is going to hit out here in New York, I think Wilson's about to go crazy. He was coming off a brilliant fucking rookie season, 83 catches, 1,103 yards, only four touchdowns, still finished as the wide receiver 19, led a very very talented rookie receiver class across the board. And then if you go check out Matt Harmon's incredible work on receptionperception.com, he charted Garrett Wilson a 79th percentile success rate versus man coverage, 94th percentile success rate versus press coverage. 
24% of his routes came against press coverage, 94th percent success rate. This is a quote per Matt in his article, and I would go subscribe to Reception Perception. Go check it out. We'll link that down below. Per Matt, quote unquote, the following wide receivers have hit 80% success rate versus press coverage in their rookie seasons. I want you to listen to this list. CeeDee Lamb, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Odell Beckham Jr. Welcome, Garrett Wills. I'm going to lead that. I'm going to read that again for you. The following receivers have hit an 80% or more success rate versus press coverage in their rookie seasons. CeeDee Lamb, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Odell Beckham Jr. Welcome, Garrett Wilson. He did all of this. I mean, he was catching passes from Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Mike White. Now he's got Aaron Rodgers, who's won the MVP two times in the last three years. By this time, we're probably going to be drafting. By this time next year, we'll be looking at Garrett Wilson, where we're drafting like Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, and those guys, as long as Rodgers stays for another year, stays healthy, etc. All right, let's move on to number 12. I'm going to be honest. This was a really, really, really tough spot. I just have a big tier of wide receivers that could go at 12. It's like Higgins, Devonta Smith, DK Metcalf, Chris Olave. It just feels like they're all going to finish with like 80 yards, 1100 or 80 catches, 1100 yards from scrimmage, like eight touchdowns. And I'll be happy with all of them. I put T Higgins here at 12. I'm starting to like I think Chris Olave and Devontae Smith a little bit more than T Higgins but let's just talk about what I got for T Higgins we'll talk about those other guys in Friday's video when we get there T Higgins kind of feels like the Nick Chubb of wide receivers like you know exactly what you're getting like look at his game log look at his season long logs they're like eerily similar but Jamar Chase is the unquestioned alpha here his numbers last year were also buoyed a bit by the fact that Jamar Chase missed like five games. So if you look at the numbers in games where Jamar Chase didn't play, obviously he kind of substituted as the alpha. His volume, his production, all of it went skyrocketing up. So again, very much like Nick Chubb, it's like you know what you're getting yardage-wise and touch-wise from T. Higgins, but a random outburst of touchdowns in a given year can float him up to be, you know, a top four, five, six, seven fantasy wide receiver like if he randomly scores 11 12 13 receiving touchdowns this year he's going to be a fantasy beast and that's very much within the range of outcomes when Joe Burrow is your quarterback given that Joe Burrow is going to throw for 35 plus passing touchdowns pretty much every single year for the rest of his career but we know the average so if you want to bet on the random touchdown spike go ahead you know Nick Chubb has kind of been the same guy for year over year over year but he's had a couple random touchdown spike years where he went for 1200 or 12 touchdowns plus and then he's a fantasy beast you know so that's kind of the way I'm looking at T Higgins again you know what you're getting here you're getting 75 to 80 catches you're getting a thousand to 1100 yards from scrimmage you're getting six to eight touchdowns he will have a year where he hits double digit touchdowns I am sure could be this year I don't know he's kind of like a safety pick for me but nothing not to like about Titty boy T. All right. Those are my top 12 fantasy wide receiver rankings at the moment. Will be fluid except for Justin Jefferson at number one. Will and will always be him. So we have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell, Amon Ross St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, and Titty boy T. Higgins. Make sure you subscribe because we are doing 13 through 24 on Friday. And uh, we'll be streaming underdog drafts throughout the entire week. So make sure you got notifications on. Make sure you're in the Discord. And make sure you, more importantly, go download the underdog app so you can draft with us. Promo code BDGE will get you a 100% deposit match. Let's get it.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.